Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Vigilant Geek Podcast. My name is Andrew Puzak of Vigilant Geek Media, and with me, as always, is my partner in crime, Holden Orm, also of Vigilant Geek Media. Um, and this week, uh, we felt it appropriate to basically do a nice recap of Boston Comic Con, which was this past weekend. Of which we were there. Oh, we certainly were there all weekend. And uh, there's lots of uh, interesting stuff to say about that. So, um, I guess to start off, uh, just to give you a little bit of uh, background information on this year's con, uh, it was probably... The largest, most populated Boston Comic Con I have personally seen yet. Uh, the place was just mobbed with people. Yeah, uh, we we thought things were kind of cool though. Like uh, it wasn't as bad on Friday, so we're like, oh, this is kind of reasonable. I figured there'd be more people here because we've been going for the past three years, and each time we've gone. We learned a little something to survive, but also we've noticed that there have been more and more people at the con. Yeah, that's right. And then this year, uh, it, it, it was uh, the biggest turnout I've I've seen ever. Uh, so um, well, there was lots to see, lots to do. Uh, some big-name celebrities showed up. They actually had a really good list of celebrities this year. Uh, Robin Lord Taylor, who played the Penguin in Gotham, was there, uh, as well as Thomas Jane, uh, known for his role uh, in The Punisher, uh, as well as other roles. Uh, Billy Piper, who is famous for Doctor Who. Haley Atwell, obviously uh, famous for her role as Agent Carter in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, Scott Ian was there, hell, uh, from Anthrax. And he is actually also a comic book scripter. He has written a few mainstream things. Uh, I have uh, his uh, three-book run on Lobo that he did uh, with uh, Sam Keith, which was... Uh, Pretty awesome read. Not to get too sidetracked, but uh, yeah, lots of uh, lots of interesting uh, celebrities uh, showed up this year at the con, and uh, you know it was cool. Uh, well, you're you're forgetting the main event, Andrew. Oh well, I figured you you know I really should mention that, uh, and uh, you know we'll get into the details regarding this uh, later in the podcast, but. Of course, the uh, the guest of honor at this year's uh, convention was the man himself, uh, the creator of the Marvel Universe as we know it, Stan Lee. And uh, I was lucky enough to have the chance to meet that man, uh, that comic book guru that truly revolutionized uh, the industry today. So uh, we will touch upon that. Uh, first, you know, uh, I'd just like to mention uh, a little bit about uh, the cosplay. Once again, with, uh, you know, the amount of people that were there this year, uh, obviously there was a lot more in the ways of cosplay, um, which is fun. And uh, I typically enjoy it, although this year it, it really kind of seemed like 
there were just way too many cosplayers uh, clogging up the aisles and and stopping for pictures and and you know it was tough to notice all the important stuff like the artwork and 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 uh the exhibits and 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 the indie uh independent uh publications because there's all these cosplayers you know particularly all the Harley Quinns and the Deadpools uh, uh, there were so many Deadpools and so many Harley Quinns no and Jokers and Oh there's a lot of Jokers too yep a lot of Jokers Nope getting around was a challenge see cuz if you're brought up and you have manners and you have a brain in your head, you know not to go ahead and walk in front of somebody and photobomb them when they're doing one of these photo ops. Well, they're going on about every 10 feet. So I find myself standing and waiting for someone to, take, to get their picture taken. But as it seemed, as soon as they get their picture taken, there was someone next to the other person with another camera going to take another picture. So... Like, it made for some strange navigating. I'd like weaving in and out of people and you know, just trying yeah. to even see what was there. No, it, it got, I, I, I'm with you. I, it got totally frustrating for the, uh, you know, the real serious comic book consumers like ourselves that were actually trying to look at, uh, you know, the exhibits and things like that and, and the publications that were out there. And, and, you know, typically I enjoy the cosplay because it adds to the atmosphere and, uh, it's fun and, 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 uh, there's typically a lot of, uh, uh, visually pleasing, uh, uh, females, uh, dressed in, uh, D- different uh, Marvel and DC character outfits and stuff. It's just cool stuff. But this year, I have to say, it just got on my nerves. I was like, enough with the cosplayers. Can you get out of the way? Uh, you know, I, I, I want to uh, look and see what some of these writers and artists have. That's what the con is like. really supposed to be about. You know, what uh, the I mean, hell? I guess the con uh, <laughs> means different things to different people. Oh, no, it certainly does. I yeah. guess uh, you get a certain amount of people who are just in doing the cosplay. Um, so you got a fair amount of people of them. Um, let's see, there were a lot of Harley Quinns and Jokers and Deadpools as always, but I think there were like, uh, a lot of people representing, uh, some Steven Universe this year, which is a cartoon on Cartoon Network. I'm not extremely familiar with it. I think it's only been out a season. Um, so. I guess I can figure out more later and tell you more about that, but I know for a fact that some of the characters were represented there. Um, and then, uh, well, I think that was the most, the majority of the, the key saturation points as far as, I mean, there were a lot of people being lots of other different characters here at the con. It's just that, uh, that, um, the extremely popular ones were the ones that we just mentioned. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I guess one thing I did notice is, uh, the fee, the you know the strong female characters that Marvel has really uh, worked on and, and and developed further over the past couple years. Uh, these would be characters such as uh, Captain Marvel, uh, Miss Marvel. Who, there's a new Miss Marvel now, uh, Kamala Khan. Uh, I saw a few uh, young ladies dressed up as her, uh, Scarlet Witch. Uh, Black Widow. Uh, Black Widow. There's Black, some Black Widows out there. Black Widow. There's some, some great Black Widows. Black Cat. Uh, a lot of the strong female Marvel characters are starting to uh, catch on in the cosplay community, uh, which is neat because Marvel has certainly been pushing those uh, 
female characters. Uh, in fact, speaking of that, I actually saw an incredibly impressive uh, Jane Foster Thor, female Thor. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, Holden. Uh, you might have been you might you might have been distracted. I don't know, but yeah, it was, it was so on point. Uh, she had made her own helmet and her own costume. You could tell, but it was like. It was crafted in such a way that it looked legitimate. It was just cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, for a lot of local uh, comic fans, Comic-Con locally is the cosplay Super Bowl. People just break out all the stops. Like, a lot of these these outfits are really serious. Yeah, sometimes I think some of these people, they spend over a year, you know... Making these, like, you know, like the guys that do the, the Iron Man costumes, those are always impressive. The Iron Man suits that, you know, people actually, like, they, they know how to bend metal and weld things and craft suits on their own, and it just looks so cool. Oh, uh, there was, like, that one guy in the War Machine outfit? Yeah, the War Machine was so cool. Yeah. Yeah, even had the fake chain gun on the shoulder. Yeah, that's right. It yeah. was so humid, though. Oh God! Yeah. yeah, I I much prefer my costume, which was guy in shorts and Aquaman T-shirt. Can't go wrong there. No, no, so that is my yearly Comic Con outfit. I'm always the guy in the Aquaman T-shirt and shorts. Every year, never fails. So if if you want to uh, find Holden at next year's con, and I don't know. Uh Harass him or follow him around. He'll be in that Aquaman. It's bright orange. You can't miss him. Uh, he usually wears khaki shorts. So, uh, be on the lookout for him. Yeah, but we got some, uh, some great pictures that, uh, will be up on the blog in the next day or two, uh, of some of those cosplays. Uh, especially that female, uh, Jane Foster Thor costume, which was probably my favorite, uh, at this year's con. Uh, but yeah, um, so feel free to go on the blog, uh, thevigilantgeek.blogspot.com and, uh, poke around and check that stuff out too. So, uh, uh, I guess this brings us to, uh, probably, uh, one of the favorite, uh, parts of the con for us, which was the, uh, sort of Easter egg we got to go on this year with the VIP passes. Uh, uh the scavenger hunt slash Easter egg hunt. Yeah, in regards to meeting artists and writers and getting signatures. And yeah. we, we met a lot of cool people this year. Yeah, it was, so that was the, that was the beaten potatoes of this year's event. Out of the other years that we went, it was mostly about going to the panels, but, uh, this year the, the panels were kind of a little weak. Um, but uh, this time, we actually had a lot of time pre- to prepare. It's like each year we've gone, we've learned something. Like the first time we went, we learned that we need to bring our own lunch because the prices for food there are ridiculously overpriced. And the lines are ridiculously lengthy. You think, you'd think you'd be getting something signed by Stan Lee, but you're actually just trying to buy chicken fingers. It's brutal. Yeah, and they're not even good chicken fingers either. Yeah, uh, if, if we could give, uh, a, you know, one Comic-Con tip for anybody, uh, uh, looking to go to next year's con, uh, I would say pack a lunch, uh, if you're gonna go, uh, you know, you'll save a few bucks and, uh, save some sanity. You'll save a lot of sanity, cause those food lines, they got, 
Surprisingly, the food line seemed better this year than it was last year. Yeah, but, I, but I guess it was a major complaint over the time. They actually got people like doing concessions, moving around the con, and actually their carts would actually block up the line. Yeah, that was no, oh, yeah. yeah, that was the other thing. It's like <laughs> these damn food carts now that you know it. It's like a Fenway Park type atmosphere, but these cu- huge carts with in they're serving alcohol and they're serving. Uh, you know, uh, all sorts of soft drinks and, and, and hot dogs or popcorn or whatever. Oh, yeah. And, they, and you know, everybody's coming up to them like an ice cream truck in the middle of the road. And, and once again, can't get anywhere. You got to, you know, you're clogged up. The place was just clogged up with people like sardines in a can. But oh, man, how many people were drinking beer at the, at the, at the Scott Snyder panel? Like, I must have seen like, few, a, yeah. like five people that just sitting there with their aluminum cans. Just getting their buzz on. Yeah, I feel like, uh, you know, in American pop culture or, or culture in general, I guess, uh, it seems like any kind of public event eventually gets turned into like a drinking event, in so, you know, in some way, shape or form. Obviously, you get sports, you know, and now... Uh, in regards to the, to the concessions, there's, you know, alcohol is being served at Comic-Con and people are walking around drinking. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I thought they were trying to set the tone for more of like a family-friendly atmosphere. So that's kind of, that was kind of scratching my head a little bit when I saw that. But I mean, I mean if there are people there and they're adults and they can enjoy responsibility, I mean, the minute like someone goes to get something signed and ends up throwing up all over the freaking one of the artist tables, <laughs> then, then then you might want to change the uh, what you're doing on that. So our first tip for surviving Comic Con would be pack your own lunch. Pack a lunch. Uh, tip two: waiting in the lines to get in, especially at the World uh, the Seaport World Trade Center in Boston, can be fairly unbearable. Especially at the weather, it's uh, beginning at uh, beginning of August, end of July, and uh, geez, like the heat's uh, historically has just been like ninety and humid. I mean, getting into the con itself is is a brutal act in itself. So our second tip to you would be: if you got the money, go ahead and just spring for the three days and get the VIP. Andrew and I did that this year, and so far it's been the most enjoyable con we've ever been to. Because the minute we got there, there was either A, a short line, which we easily got through and then immediately got in, or B, they were already letting people in and we just walked through because we already had the bracelets on from the day before. The amount of, once again, sanity saved by simply paying the extra money is, so worth it. is absolutely worth it. And even though... Uh, if you spring for VIP too, you actually get to cut in line for the celebrity photo ops and signature and uh, and autographs. Um, I'm not a big celebrity picture and autograph guy. I'm more into collecting the uh, artists and writers' signatures on the books that I brought. However, um, if that is what you're into, and there are certainly a lot of people that are, uh, it's pretty much well worth it. I think the VIP was what? It's like 150 bucks. It's the same cost as like three days paying by itself, but you get the benefit of cutting in line and getting in early. Oh, yeah. I will never do another con any other way ever again. Uh, it, it, it was so worth paying the money because the amount of uh, ground we were able to cover at the con was so much more uh, than we'd ever been able to do in previous years. 
and it was just so much more enjoyable. Uh, you know, we got to speak with a lot of creators. We'll get into that in a minute. A lot of different creators, though, that we probably would not have gotten a chance to, uh, to, to see face to face just because of the amount of people, uh, waiting in line. So yeah, that is a huge, huge tip. The VIP pass is really the only way to go. It's just, there's no other way to do it. Yeah. Um, just keep these two things in mind. Um, and you really can't go wrong. Uh, the lines for the bathroom weren't that bad. There's certain bathrooms in, uh, within the con themselves. They don't have terribly long lines because not a lot of people know about them. So you just kind of got to scope the area out and come up with a little bit of a game plan. And also, if you can, go on a Friday because a lot of people still have jobs, uh, especially during the summer. And and on Friday is when we got a majority of what we were trying to do done. By the time Saturday came around, the place was just packed. Comics are becoming mega mainstream, super popular, and it felt like we were. It was a line wherever we were walking. I don't know how many times I've said that. Yeah, but I cannot. Well. <laughs> I, I need to hammer that point down. It is very, very crowded. So crowded. <laughs> if you don't do well around large groups of people, you might want to go on one of the lighter days, which would be Friday. Absolutely, Friday. I mean, that's when we got all of our real signatures and everything. Uh, Friday, Friday was, was the best day of the con for me, uh, and I assume for you too. It was just, uh, you know, we did it pretty much everything that we needed to do. Uh, so tip number three would definitely be, uh, if you're gonna go, uh, it would of course be ideal to go for all three days, but if, you know. Take the personal day, go, go on Friday. Go on the Friday at least, especially if you're somebody who wants to get some books signed and meet people. Because Saturday, Sunday, uh, forget it. You'll be you'll be waiting around uh, all day long for for one signature. So, uh, tip number four. Now, I actually have a tip. Yeah, that's, uh, hey, this is good. This is good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I tip. hope everyone's writing this down. Yeah, uh, these are good tips for uh, especially for uh, Comic Con uh, newcomers. Uh, tip number four is. Always be on watch for the fire marshal. Oh my goodness. If there was, uh, anyone who would be considered the villain of Comic Con, it would be the fire marshal. The fire marshal. He's the all-seeing, all-knowing tyrant. He's out there and he doesn't want you sitting down to rest your legs. No, he doesn't. You better get yourself a chair like a like a law-abiding citizen, if he sees you on the ground, he'll shut down the con. Well, it's a fire hazard, and he'll roast your ass for that. Uh, now, no one actually saw the mystical fire marshal uh, at at the con. At least I didn't see him. I don't know if uh, you know maybe his astral projection was floating through the hallways, and I have trouble seeing the supernatural, but. Uh, it was definitely the threat of the day. All Comic Con uh, personnel uh, threatened, uh, you know, that they the con's very existence. It's like he was just this almighty villain, just just patrolling and and threatening the con's very existence to its core. 
Yeah, so uh, be careful if you're somebody who likes to sit on the floor outside in the lobby or in the hallways leading to the bathroom because um, it is technically a fire hazard, and I just don't want to see anyone fall to the wrath of the fire marshal. Uh, that would just be a sad thing. So tip number four. Watch out for the fire marshal. Oh, I, I believe we're, what, threatened by, let's see, one of the staff said that to us, only it was in a friendly manner, and it wasn't as bad. And then there was a guy who clearly wanted to abuse his badge that said staff and his dumb orange shirt that said staff on it as well. And then uh, he, he he was using the fire marshal's name in vain. And then, uh, ooh, jeez, a couple more times we saw it happen to other people. Now... I'm not recommending this, but if you're going to go to the con and you want respect, you dress up as a fire marshal. <laughs> and they will roll out the red carpet for you, and then you will get whatever your whatever your demands are. They will meet them. Yeah, you know, I think I'm going to cosplay as the, fi- the fire marshal next year. You know, I'll have, like, the fire helmet and... Uh, you know, uh, maybe a, a couple of flamethrowers or something. Uh, you should have a clipboard with a red pen. Actually, shit, that is way more powerful than a flamethrower. What, oh. am I, what am I thinking? That's right. You'd see, this, this is what these people are really afraid of. They, they're afraid of getting their name written down. Ooh, that clipboard from hell. Uh, excuse me, sir. Do you have a pyramid to be standing in that doorway? No, don't reach for the red pen. <laughs> oh, no. Before you know it, you have read in your ledger and you're getting your ass roasted by the fire marshal. So. Oh, exiled from Comic-Con. Yeah, no one wants... eternity. And no one, no one wants that, so... Uh, that's just a, a fourth tip to keep in mind, so... Um, moving right along, I think now is a great time to transition into talking about some of the uh, cr- industry creators that we got a chance to meet with face-to-face. Um, there was a good crop this year. Um, I was actually quite surprised with the amount of people who are actually writing books that I'm current and writing and illustrating books that I'm currently pulling as part of my stack. Uh, extremely well re- represented this year. Um, well, some light sprinklings of some Marvel talent, but DC really represented extremely well this year at the con. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we really lucked out because. Uh you know, I was able to get a, a ton of stuff signed uh, by a lot of different creators that I love. Uh, I mean, we both got uh, different Batgirl uh, issues signed by uh, our girl Babs Tar. Ah, uh, she's just amazing. Uh, amazing artist. Uh, she's been drawing Batgirl now for a solid year, I'd say. Uh, she's super nice. Uh, I I took a very creepy uh, picture. Whether it, it it came out a little blurry, but she knew I was making a dumb face, but she knew that too, so she made kind of a dumb face too. Well, I, so I wouldn't feel <laughs> weird, you know. Oh, that was really sweet of her. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't call it creepy though. I mean, I mean, we did ask uh, ask her uh, for her uh, permission before we took the picture. Oh, that's true. So. I was just the uh, the way my facial expression, which actually has kind of become the default facial expression for. The Vigilant Geek. For the Vigilant Geek. And if you end up uh, hopping onto the blog, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, and like I said, that, that article uh, will be up in a day or two. So, uh, yeah, as soon as you 
check out the blog, you'll know you'll know exactly what what we're saying there. But yeah, no, Babs Tar is sort of uh, the American uh, comic industry sweetheart, I'd say. It was a just a real pleasure meeting her. Uh, she's just full of sunshine. Uh, lots of other excellent uh, artists, including Sean Murphy. Uh, I was able to get my. Batman 41 Joker variant signed by both him and Scott Snyder, yeah. which was pretty pretty damn cool. I decided to go ahead and get my Chrononauts number four signed by him. Um, also, another great title that, that was he's a nice on. choice. Yeah. That, uh, well, you just finished that run with uh, Mark. I guess he was uh, Mark Miller wrote it. It's, yep. it's already been optioned for a film. Wow. Yeah, I mean, Mark Miller has just been pumping out books like crazy. What with, uh, let's see, Kingsman was an enormous hit in the theaters. Wanted. And the same, yeah, man, Wanted, uh, uh, Kick-Ass, obviously Wanted kick 2. Ass, yeah. So, so Sean Murphy decided, uh, well, he, I, I don't know if he decided to or he got lucked out, or he lucked out and he ended up uh, working with uh, Mark Miller on Chrononauts and... Uh, and it, uh, I liked it. The whole small series, it's, uh, books one through four, came out extremely well. I got number four signed because it's a little bit thicker. It was kind of my favorite. There was a lot of crazy action going on in there. I mean, uh, Sean Murphy's probably going to blow up. Everyone's going to know his name within the next year, year and a half. Just his artistic style is such that if you, you see it, you know exactly who was the one who, who did it. Oh yeah, no, he's one of those distinctive artists. He's got a very gritty, realistic style, but it, it just works so well with the type of, uh, publications that he's worked on. Uh, he's done a lot of stuff with Vertigo. Uh, if you've heard of Punk Rock Jesus, that was sort of his big namesake there. Uh, he wrote and drew that, and then, uh, he also drew The Wake with, uh, Scott uh, Scott Snyder who right. wrote that. Right, yeah. Uh, you know, he's done a lot of stuff in the industry. Uh, and it was just a real pleasure uh, getting to meet him. And sitting right next to him was famed cover artist Dave Johnson, uh, who's probably best known for his covers uh, on the 100 Bullets series, uh, although he has done a lot of other things besides that as well. Uh, and I was able to get... Uh, my Batman number 40 ver- Joker variant that he drew, signed by him and Scott Snyder as well, which was, I was just tickled pink by that, so. Um, yeah, moving right along, uh, let's see, uh, Humberto Ramos, who's, uh, done a lot of work on Spider-Man, uh, he was there, he was signing things, but for a fee. Uh, he was the only guy there who was, uh, who was signing things, he charged five bucks per person for the signature. And you had to speak directly to, I guess, his manager or his yeah, assistant. Yeah, he's one of those guys that wouldn't he wouldn't look at you or talk to you. Yeah, same I'm, same thing with Tony Moore, uh, who is the artist, the longtime artist on The Walking Dead. I mean, I was able to get my Walking Dead number one signed, so I was super pumped. But I had to talk to his publicist. Uh, he wasn't making eye contact with anyone, which is, you know. Yeah, I mean... His, for his prerogative when you make it that far in the industry, I guess. Uh, well, I mean, also, it's probably not too hard to uh, to figure that some of these creators and artists uh, actually have uh, their own deep-seated anxieties, and they're kind of antisocial, because, like, sometimes a lot of creative types are. So... Oh, absolutely. Honest. But as far as Roberto Ramos is concerned, he probably made a mint. 
uh, as at that con. Yeah, I guess if if you wanted Amazing Spider-Man yeah. number one signed, you had to pay ten dollars for that. Yeah. See, uh, I only I went and I just had a random one that he he was working on a little bit. I mean, he's going to be busy too. He's going to be working on uh, Exceptional X-Men with Jeff Lemire coming this time this uh, this fall, which is going to be the man X-Men main X-Men book. That is going to be a hot title. Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe not entirely personable, but his his artwork is extremely quality. Oh yeah, that's a given. Uh, let's see. Now, who else? Uh, Jerry Duggan. I got my Death of Deadpool signed by him. Excellent guy. I was able to uh, talk a little bit about the industry with him for a minute or two, uh, which is rare because you know, once again, it's a high demand. Uh, at these conventions for a lot of people to meet these creators and when you when you do get a couple of uh minutes one on one with them it really is a special thing uh so it was neat uh also uh and we'll get into the the panels in a little bit but uh it was a real pleasure meeting uh Brian Azarello and Eduardo Rizzo the two creators behind 100 bullets and uh, so they had their own panel that was cool that they had their own panel it felt like we were just talking about him the week before, and then like, like I had no idea they were even going to be at the con. To tell you the truth, I I I did know they were going to be there, but I did not know they were going to have a uh, hundred bullets p- panel. They had a, a hundred bullets reunion. Uh, you know, I, I, it's too smooth of a transition not to go into it right now. So let's talk a little bit about uh, that panel, the hundred bullets uh, reunion panel. That was really something. Yeah, well, the panel itself was amazing. It was actually kind of an intimate setting because a lot of people, they didn't fully pack the auditorium. It almost just felt like it was just like, mm, like maybe like what, like 30 people in there, really? And just kind of spread out, like kicking your feet up, just chilling out, just asking the creative talent questions. Yeah, uh, that's exactly what it was. Uh, uh, also, Dave Johnson, the cover artist, was was present for the panel as well so it was the three of them and the moderator uh but yeah um there's such a cool creative team uh one of my favorite all-time creative teams in the graphic novel medium by far uh and you know they they talked a little bit about the history of 100 bullets which you know we had mentioned last week in the vertigo podcast that it was a you know a 10-year run 100 issue run uh, very historical uh, in regards to that. Uh, there hasn't been many other... Uh, in, in fact, I don't think there's been any other uh, titles uh, in Vertigo or anywhere else that I can... Well, besides the real mainstream comics. But besides that, I don't think there's been any titles that have made it past a 100-issue run. Um, I, mean, I, I could be wrong. No, there's only a handful. Uh, Hellblazer did. Oh, Hellblazer, that's right. Uh, Fables did. Okay. Um, Unwritten was getting close, but I don't think it made it. Um, well, mainly Vertigo titles then, ma- yeah. Mainly, yeah, mainly, well, I thought that's all we were comparing was Vertigo titles. Well, yeah, I guess pretty much, yeah, so... I mean, yeah, I mean, there's some here and there, but uh, the Hundred Bullets probably one of the longest runs that they had. I think it was only really surpassed by like Hellblazer and Fables, and then I don't even think uh, Sandman maybe went past 100. It might have. 
I'm not completely sure. Yeah, I'm not, well, I mean, if you count like overture and stuff like that, obviously, no. but but that's separate. I think, no, but. no. I mean, those those things are kind of <coughs> stories on their own. They're not part of the main continuity. Not that that uh, that that title really had its own main continuity in the first place. They kind of like to jump around and tell stories and in however order you chose to fit. But uh, hundred bullets, awesome, and also what we're talking about right now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, getting back on tax. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, so we mentioned last week about, you know, how amazing it is to have a story with that level of intricacy, uh, run for as long as it did, and then come full circle at the end. And, uh, it's just, uh, you can thank the, the, the real brainchild behind all of that, uh, Brian Azarello. Uh, for just coming up with that amazing plot, and then obviously Eduardo Rizzo for uh, carrying it out through art. Uh, now, I was able to ask one question at the panel. I was able to ask Brian Azzarello uh, a question about the Minutemen. We mentioned how the Minutemen were sort of uh, the enforcers of the Trust, which is the like secret organization uh, in 100 Bullets. And uh, I was able to ask Brian... Uh, whether, you know, when he came up with the idea for, for the Minutemen, were the characters, you know, the individual Minutemen, were they based off of people that he had known or seen, uh, in life prior, or if they were sort of just, uh, figments of his imagination? And he actually was able to, to, uh, admit to, the panel that, uh, in fact, you know, a lot of the Minutemen characters were based off of people he knew in life, so. Yeah, I think it, uh, he said, like, people he knew or combinations of different combinations, yeah. factors of people he knew. Which is pretty cool. I always like to know, uh, you know, when, when a creator has, like, a really awesome idea, like, like, where that idea came from and where they got to, 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 to creating such a cool, interesting new thing. So, uh, Always interesting to, to get a little background info uh, in regards to that. So. Yeah, and then also I just love uh, Brian Azzarello's like way of answering his questions, his matter of fact answers. Like, here's a guy who doesn't spend a lot of time trying to look too deep into things. He's very much like a man's man. Like, if there were ever a blue collar writer, I think it would be him. Um, a lot of his questions were just like one word answers. He didn't really go too deep in this stuff. I think uh, one of the funniest things he said was someone asked him, uh, like, like, are they uh, planning on making a 100 Bullets movie? And he's like, yes, it just got re-optioned with uh, New Line Cinema. Cinema, And they're like, well, uh, are you going to be working on it? And he's like, yeah, you know what? Like, they go ahead and they can go ahead and make it and just leave the money on the dresser. <laughs> yeah, I love when he said that. That was, that was wicked funny. Yeah, so that was, that was a really cool panel. Uh, lots of fun. And then, uh, we were lucky enough again this year, third year in a row for us to, uh, be at the Scott Snyder, uh, well this year wasn't really a bat panel per se. Last year it was strictly Batman and the year before that he was on the DC panel. But yes. this, this year was, was, was a panel strictly Q&A with Scott Snyder and it was just a lot more intimate this time and it was very cool and we got to learn a lot more about the writer himself, you know, one, probably my favorite current writer, uh, in the medium. Uh, and it was just really interesting to, to hear about his life. 
Uh, lots of cool different points that he talked about and touched upon. Yeah, I mean, if, uh, if anyone's not familiar, uh, he went from going to school in Providence to working at a publishing house, reading, just reading through uh, stuff that was getting ready to be accepted to see whether or not it would pass, to becoming uh, a janitor and then moving up at Disney being a janitor down at Disney and then moving up and then becoming one of the people who wears the suits. He was Pluto, if uh, I remember correctly. Uh, he's, he mentioned there was four. And then oh, yeah, the one he that really, Buzz Lightyear, too. Yeah. yeah, and then the one that really stuck out was Eeyore. But he oh, had, yeah. <laughs> but he said, like, being Buzz was, like, the coolest. And then I guess uh, they they were talking to him, like, oh, well, you could, you're could you tall enough to be uh, Prince Charming in Japan. And he's like, <laughs> oh, awesome. And then I guess... His friend, his parents sent his friend down to Florida to have an intervention to be like, guy, knock it off. And then <laughs> instead he just ends up going to Columbia for grad school for writing. Yeah. Which is, which is <laughs> like night and day. That, that just cracked me up so much when he was talking about his obsession with Disney World and, and, and how, uh, you know, he was so pumped up about you know, the whole Prince Charming thing. Oh, I'm going to move to Japan and be Prince Charming. And I'm tall over there. And uh, <laughs> it was just wicked funny. Uh, oh. um, but yeah, literally, uh, you know, just as you said, his, his, his buddy had to come down and say, hey, uh, you can't keep working at Disney World, man. You got more potential than this. Yeah. <laughs> and, and thankfully, I want to thank whoever the hell that was because we probably wouldn't have, you know, uh, American Vampire, or Bat, you know, his Batman stories, or The Wake, or Witches, or Severed, or, you know, name your Scott Snyder story. Uh, so thankfully that, that unsung hero was able to get Scott Snyder out of the Eeyore costume and, uh, <laughs> into, uh, the writing world, which, uh, I am personally very thankful for. Yeah. So, very cool. Very uh, cool. And then, uh, well, let's see. That, I think that was the only two, uh, panels that I took part of. And then, uh. Well, uh, just one more thing about Snyder. Uh, I was able to ask him a question too at the panel, uh, lucky enough. Um, there's been a lot of speculation, uh, Regarding uh, when uh, Snyder and Capullo's Greg Capullo, the artist on Batman, whether uh, you know their run uh, is going to be finished after the next arc, or if it's going to continue on uh, for your you know years to come, uh, I personally uh, was hoping that the Snyder Capullo freight train uh, in Gotham City right now. Uh, stays put for a while because they're just doing such a fantastic job. And although uh, Scott wasn't able to give us a definitive answer, uh, what he did say was really promising. Uh, he mentioned that he still had uh, quite a few story arcs in his head uh, in regards to Batman that he needs to get out on paper and that he really wants to see show up in the books. So... That right there tells me that at least, you know, Scott Snyder, from his point of view, he wants to stay and work on Batman at least a little while longer, which is cool. Yeah, so. I mean, well, so from the way it looks, they're going to finish up this, uh, I imagine they're going to do about a year doing uh, the Jim Gordon Batman, and then probably a good extra year after that, I feel, just because the two of them are just cranking out this the great work, and... They haven't lost any passion for it, and he said it himself. 
everybody in the industry's got this Batman story that they want to tell. But he's got the keys to the kingdom right now until he relinquishes that. And, and believe me, it will be relinquished. I mean, via his own decision. Uh, he's doing such good work right now. It's probably the, it's, I think it's the top selling book in DC right now. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that I don't think they're going to, they're going to be asking him to move on and do something else anytime soon. Oh, I, I know DC is very happy. I mean, they, they want, I know they want Snyder to be the king of Gotham City for a while. You know, uh, they handed him the keys. Uh, Mayor Haiti handed, uh, Scott Snyder the keys to Gotham. And yeah, like I said, I hope, uh, I hope he doesn't give them up anytime soon. Uh, I'm sure, you know, Greg P- Capullo's, uh, plans, uh, have a lot to do with it as well. Right. We didn't right. get, we didn't get to hear from him. He wasn't at this year's con, but, uh, you know, uh, some promising, uh, words from Scott Snyder, at least, that, you know, he's not looking to go anywhere anytime soon. So, yeah. very cool. Yeah, quick story. Um, while Andrew and I were actually trying to get Scott's signature all day Friday, and as it turns out, he ended up trying to take a ferry from New York, and then the ferry was full, so we had to turn around and drive an extra two hours, and then he got lost in Boston traffic, and they had to go get him. So it was about, what, like 4.35 till he actually showed up? Yeah. And then the line was really long to get the signatures because you had to get these tickets because he's the guy's in high demand. Like everyone wants a signature. He's just like, like the hardest signature to get. Everyone wants it. So, uh, you and I kept, uh, checking up other things in the con, coming back, back and forth. <laughs> and then finally it was just getting to the point where like you had to go and wait in the line to go do the Stan Lee thing. So I took Andrew's books and we we talked to the staff like, oh yeah, no, he's signing five books at a time. So I took on Andrew's books and I took it upon myself to get these signatures. So I ended up doing like my hero two laps, two laps around the con, just walking around checking up until finally I I got the ticket called. So we go finally get up and like I go and he's like, oh, hey, how's it going? He's like. I'm like, oh, this is crazy. I feel like I've been waiting in line for three years. I was like, really? Like, man, like, I think I've seen you before. I'm like, yeah, no, I've been at the Boston Comic Con for the last three years. I'm like, oh, all right, man. Like, so I go, I get the signatures, and I'm like, hey, you mind if I get my picture with you? And then he's like, no, sure, come here, come on over here. And then one of the uh, the staff people who was working near him uh, took my took my phone and took my picture, and then uh, it'll be it's on the blog. Well, it will be if it's not already. Yeah, I'm, oh, I mean, the article's almost done. I, I'm really looking to, to put that article up tonight. So, uh, let's see, today is Wednesday, uh, the 5th? Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, yeah, it should be up today, if not tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, so there's actually some great shots of, uh, Holden and I with some, uh, famous people in the industry. It, it, it's, it's pretty cool. You'll check it out on the blog, which is, once again, uh, uh, the the vigilant geek uh, dot blogspot dot com. So yeah, um, couple of great panels there. Now there was a Marvel Universe panel uh, which we did not get to attend, uh, but there were no real Marvel creators representing uh, yeah none of, the none label of- you know at the panel at all. Uh, in fact, I don't even know who was on the panel, but it wasn't anybody uh, that works on the books. I, I know think that. it was a Jerry Duggan, and then oh, okay, well he works. And 
works on Deadpool. Yeah, and then, I mean, there are a couple other ones, but they work on, like, some real fringy books, and, uh, it's, I'm, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm just not familiar with their work, or I don't know, but I mean, if you're gonna be, I just kinda feel like Marvel really just didn't step up to the plate and really represent at Boston Comic Con. And you know, Maybe the reason for that is because of their strong presence at uh, San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, maybe, you know, just because that's the big, the biggest con and they're so close together. I mean, I don't know. I don't know, but I mean, there are a lot of like college kids, a lot of literate people in Boston, a lot of people read comic books. What I, my theory is that Boston is a D.C. town. Boston's a DC town, and we don't want those Marvel folks mucking up the place. <laughs> I think you could be right about that. I mean, it, it could be a, a possibility. I mean, I don't have any facts or figures, and it's all hearsay, and I'm just running my mouth. But that, from the the presence that they showed, as far as the creators um, from Marvel, that just the, like, it was very thin. Uh, DC represented much better. DC had uh, Annie Wu, um, Babs. Babs, Sean Murphy, Scott Snyder, Joe Prado, uh, Dave Johnson, Dave Johnson, Brian Azzarello, uh, Edward Rizzo, um, list goes on. Tim yeah. Sale, Tim Sale is yeah, there. Yeah, I you- got his, uh, I got his John Hancock on, uh, my long Halloween there. And then, uh, also Jeff Parker, Jeff Parker was there. Jeff Parker. All these people who worked on DC titles. So. Jason Latour. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, that's another big name that we forgot to mention. Uh, yeah, I think you could be right about that because I even the past few years prior, there seemed to just be a prominent DC presence and uh, Marvel not so much. Nice. Well, so. with the except for the fact that uh, Stan Lee was the guest of honor. They, well, yeah, uh, but when's the last time he's written a comic? No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean. But no, no, no. I mean, you know, you're talking about the, uh, the man who created it all, pretty much. So, uh, no, obviously that was, maybe that, they felt that was enough of a presence for Marvel having the big cheese there that, uh, or maybe they're just their film success is just making them cocky. I, I don't, don't know. know. Maybe they're too Hollywood now. They're too Hollywood for Boston. But uh, that's actually another great way to transition into uh, the next segment where uh, we can actually discuss uh, this Stanley panel a little bit. Uh, yes. Now, tell us all about it, Andrew, because you know, so I had a bunch of misadventures while I was waiting for you to to uh, to have this experience of a lifetime. And uh, and I, I really want to know what, uh, what went down behind the, those, that secret access. Behind curtain number two, yeah. The super mega VIP. Well, it was obviously uh, just a, an unreal experience uh, meeting Stan. Uh, first thing that they had us do uh, as part of the VIP experience was take the photos. And you'll see, uh, once again, on the blog, uh, my photo with Stan looks a little awkward. I don't really know what to do with my hands. I'm I'm very thrilled, don't get me wrong, but uh you know, they were shuffling 200 people in and out of there for pictures so that they could start the panel and you know, so obviously it was a very fast-paced process. 
Uh, and Stan was just sort of sitting on a stool. He, he kind of seemed like, uh, like I was getting my picture taken with one of those wax dummies from, uh, you know, one of those wax museums. You know, he didn't move. He didn't speak. I wasn't sure if he was breathing, actually. I mean, he's 86 years old. Well, uh, he's like 93? He's like in his 90s. Well, it could be. He's, Either he's, way. He's, uh, he's, he's very long in the tooth. Yes. So, uh, you know, that, that part was, was a little, uh, a little awkward just because, you know, it's like, here I am, I'm standing right next to, you know, an idol of mine, probably my main idol, and, uh, you know, there's so many things you want to ask him, and it, it's like, alright, click, there's a picture, alright, move on. Um, but then, you know, we get into the room, and uh, they start the panel, and, uh, I gotta tell you, uh, Stan Lee could easily do like an hour long stand up comedy special on like Comedy Central or something. He is the funniest guy. Um, I feel like it, it, it might be an act, but it seems like he's kind of losing it. Uh, you know, uh, Jimmy Palmiotti was actually the moderator for the, uh, for the panel and, and, you know, he had to repeat himself a lot and, and Stan, was forgetting things that he wrote, that he wrote, you know, years ago and, and this and that. But, uh, uh, I was able to ask Stan a question. So I was able to ask a question at every panel this year, which was cool. Uh, and I, uh, asked Stan, uh, if there were, uh, any characters in the Marvel universe, uh, that were based on himself. And he told me, that in fact there was uh the character of J Jonah Jameson for those of you who are not in the know he is uh the newspaper editor for the Daily Bugle and Peter Parker's boss uh you know he's sort of a hard ass he's very loud and uh you know Stan basically said uh, if i was a newspaper editor i would be just like J Jonah Jameson except tougher <laughs> and then I thought to myself, well, hell, you know, he probably is, you know, a uh, really nice guy, you know, most of the time. But imagine being in the bullpen with him working on books, you know, or, or, or having him oversee things. Like, yeah, I bet he was a bit of a hard ass, you know, and as he should be for, you know, what he has created over the years. Uh, another great question that was asked uh, to him, too, uh, was... Uh, was, uh, his, did his time, uh, in World War II, he was in the army and he fought, he, he was, uh, he served in World War II, uh, did his time, uh, fighting in World War II inspire him to create the Howling Commandos? Uh, for those of you who don't know the Howling Commandos, most of you probably do, uh, they're the, uh, special ops, uh, Military fighting force put together by Nick Fury during World War II. If you've seen the first Captain America movie, the first Avenger, you know that uh, Captain America, when he breaks out the 107th, uh, those soldiers that he uh, forms the team with, those are the Howling Commandos. So anyways, uh, Stan goes... You know, when they ask him uh, that question, he goes, Well, you know, I didn't do a whole lot of howling in World War II. I mainly rewrote training manuals so the troops knew what they were doing in the battlefield. 
And I think that's the reason we won World War Two. I love how <laughs> Stan could probably be very well be like the last World War Two veteran alive, so like he can just go ahead and take credit for winning the whole war <laughs> by himself. Yeah. Priceless, priceless man. But uh the swagger. You know, the panel the panel ran for over two hours long. Uh and Stan was on L.A. time, right, at that point. So he was a few hours behind. But even still, for, you know, a man of his age, they had him there until about 1130 at night answering everyone's questions. And, and he signed everyone's stuff. Uh, everyone uh, at the panel brought something. You know, usually it was a comic book. I mean, some some people had him sign action figures and other weird stuff, which I didn't understand. But, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, uh, I myself, I, uh, was able to, to pick up a first edition, uh, four comic, uh, written by Stan and also done by Jack Kirby, uh, from 1967. Uh, and he signed that for me and I got to shake his hand. So, uh, you know, it doesn't get much better than that for uh, a Marvel fan. <laughs> it really, it just really doesn't. It no. was just, it was surreal. It was absolutely surreal. I've seen it. It's very nice. I still can't believe that they, like, even though the man is such a VIP, like, just given that his, what his age is, like, wouldn't you want to do the panel at, like, 10 or 11 in the morning where the man's still fresh yeah exactly i didn't quite understand that i mean even i like you know i'm i'm a fairly youthful man still and i i was getting exhausted towards the end of that panel i mean obviously i was soaking everything in but at the same time i was like jesus i'm tired and it's like imagine what he feels like and you know he, you, you really can't take anything away from Stan in regards to, uh, his love for his fans, cause, you know, there really isn't anything he wouldn't do for, for his fans, I feel. Uh, I mean, it got to the point where it was late and, uh, he had to call his wife, uh, during the panel, uh, to, you know, tell her goodnight. And, uh, he did so on speakerphone in front of everyone, so, uh, I believe his wife's name is Barbara. I'm not, I hope I'm not wrong on that. Uh, uh, but, I don't know one way or the other, so I can't really call you out on but it. But I, I remember seeing the documentary, like, you know, so I, I know who, you know, I've seen her on film before, so I know who she is. Right. And, and then, uh, you know, she said hi to everyone at the panel, and, uh, you know, it was cool. It was real cool. Um, they also did this thing where one of Stan's best friends, uh, Ken Bald, who uh, is a big uh, old school industry name, uh, he worked at Marvel as well. Um, well, he was there and it was his birthday and Stan got to reunite with him. Uh, I guess he lives on the East Coast, Stan lives on the West Coast, so they did that whole thing with the birthday cake in front of everyone too. And uh, it, it was a lot of fun. It was... Like I said, a surreal experience, uh, but it was amazing meeting the man behind the Marvel Universe. Yeah, excellent opportunity. Uh, Stan probably doesn't have too many years left in him. I mean, he's surprising he's doing as well as he is just because, uh, surely because of his age. Jeez, I don't know too many 90-year-olds can even get out of bed, let alone uh, be the main event at a con and do, like, panels hours into the night. 
And he does so much traveling, and he just got out of the hospital like two weeks ago, and I, I wasn't even sure if he, if he was still going to make it to the con. I was getting worried. Uh, but, you know, he, he really is uh, a superhuman in his own way. Uh, he makes it to all these events, and he, he does a lot of FaceTime with the fans and answers a ton of questions, you know, uh, for somebody who's been in the racket for as long as him, who, who really revolutionized uh, the medium in so many ways, uh, to think, you know, what if I was him at, at his age, you know, like I have nothing left to prove at this point, what's the point of putting in all this time? Well, clearly he isn't doing it to get anything out of it for himself. You know, he's doing it for the fans, and that is... That's just the coolest part. Well, there's a good possibility that uh, all this stuff involving comics is uh, is what's keeping them going. I mean, oftentimes you hear a lot of people retire and then they don't last for like five years because their job was giving them purpose and it was keeping them going. And right. I think that, that might very well be the case with Stan. I mean, you take away the comics away from Stan, who knows how much life you'll really have left in him. Exactly. That is a... An excellent point. I mean, the human body is very much like an automobile. The more you keep it running, the more it stays uh, uh, operational. And as soon as you let it sit for a while, things start to fall apart. The same thing with the, the human body. So, you know, you look at somebody like Stan who's doing so well uh, for his age. And, 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 you know, he's somebody who doesn't stop moving, it seems. And, and there's definitely a correlation there. Uh, so kudos to him. Yeah, I mean, this just keeps on going. I wish him well. Um, and we thank him so much for uh, coming to Boston this year. It was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for everybody who was there at the con? It was unbelievable. Yep. Uh, my experience while you were uh, doing your Stanley experience was a little different. Uh, I spent some time uh, in the nearby park, and then uh, they had this after party up in the plaza, which is on top of the World uh, Seaport World Trade Center. They had some food trucks up there. I had, uh, went and I got myself a taco from one of the food trucks. Oh, Deadpool would approve. It was it was it was pretty tasty. Although I don't think he would have gotten the tofu one, and I did. Um, <laughs> nah, Deadpool doesn't have tofu. Yeah, Deadpool wouldn't eat tofu, not unless it was deep fried in chimichangas. Yeah. <laughs> so I went and I had my taco and uh, did a little moon gazing, walked around some more, ended up talking to some random people on the street, asking me what all the noise was. Um, and I told them it was the after party, and then they looked down their nose at me and was like, oh, well, thank you. And then they walked off. <laughs> um, then did that, and then uh, that we called it a night. Uh, the Friday was just chocked full of all sorts. of. We did so much stuff on Friday. No, we didn't stop moving either. Yeah. I, know, so I think I like lost like two pounds just from that day alone, just walking around, seeing everything, getting all the names, taking pictures with people, listening to the panels. Sweating with all the geeks, nerds, and fanboys. That's right. It was every every bit as uh, active as it could have been. Could have probably went better. Saturday was a bit a uh, bit of a different animal. All the people who were at work on Friday <laughs> showed up on Saturday. Oh yeah. And that's just when it was just completely mobbed. 
like you and I made a made a decision that we were just gonna we we're gonna go to the Snyder panel, and then once we were done with that, I went and I uh, I picked up some uh, first edition Ninja Turtle books, which were good finds. Which are yeah, they were really good. Very rare. The uh, it was the first seven for about like fifty bucks for for the complete. And such a good find. I'm a little jealous of that, actually. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I couldn't believe I saw it either. I was just like, whoa. And then, so we picked up that, and then uh, we went and we uh, we checked out some some titles and touched base with some of the independent creators that we know and haven't known, and picked some of their stuff up. Um, We loaded up, and just a heads up, vigilant geek fan base. I don't know. Do you think we have one? Should I just say that anyway? Oh, of course we do. I, I can tell by the stats that we do. We do? Uh, we, got, yeah, <laughs> we got stats. We do have a fan base, absolutely. Well, what we did was we we are doing this thing that uh, was one of the main reasons why we decided to get into uh, the podcasting and bloggery. Is, uh, we're going ahead and we're going to start covering indie creators, local indie creators. And we're going to try to help people uh, get some exposure so they can tell their stories. That's right, Holden. Uh, now, for those of you who have been following the Vigilant Geek blog from the beginning, uh, you've probably seen a lot of independent book reviews uh, from previous cons. Uh, some of the reviews you might want to check out on the blog, uh, if you're interested, uh, would involve titles such as uh, The Roadhouse Sun's Dangerous Gambles, uh, there's a big review on that, the first uh, volume that they put out, and they just put out uh, the first part of their second volume, Renegade, which uh, I'm, I'm currently reading, I'm finishing up with and writing a review on that. Uh, also, uh, just real quick, uh, some of the other books that have been reviewed in the past uh, would include uh, Return to Rander by uh, Tony Sedanis, uh Healed by George O'Connor and Griffin S. Uh, Baby, also by George O'Connor and uh, Griffin S. Uh, what else do we got? Uh, Boston Comics Roundtable uh, Sci-Fi Anthology Outbound. Uh, and their horror anthology Hellbound, uh, among many others. Now, what uh, Holton was talking about is what uh, we're going to do next in regards to the podcast is start including some of these reviews and uh, uh, things of that sort for indie uh, publications on episodes of the podcast. So we're going to do uh, independent uh, publications uh, every so often. We're going to dedicate uh, an episode to that. Uh, so uh, in two weeks, not next week, because next week we're doing uh, a video game podcast, which will be pretty fun. We have a... Uh, Oh. Special guest Nathan Burke, uh, who's a New England comedian and uh, owner-operator of Hotcast Studios. He'll be on the show next week uh, to talk about uh, gaming. Uh, but then the week after that, uh, we are going to dedicate that one to uh, independent book reviews from uh, Boston Comic Con this year. Yeah, so, uh, like so be on said, the lookout for that. Yeah, uh, we're re- we're reading up and we're uh, we're bringing our opinions. Um, and we want everyone to know just uh, about this independent creator owned stuff uh, coming out there because there's a lot of good stuff out there. It's very hard for people to get their names out there, and uh, we really uh, want people to know about it. You know, because well, literacy is good, and uh, these people, their stories deserve a chance. 
Yeah, and I got to tell you, uh, you know, if there's one more thing I can say about uh, the indie publications that I've personally picked up and reviewed over the past few years, it's that in the same manner that Vertigo Comics, they're kind of creative, creator-owned as well, um, where they sort of have a lot of those out-of-the-box thinkers that we were talking about last week, uh, you'll find a lot of similar... Uh, instances like that with a lot of indie books you pick up a lot of times these creators just have these awesome fresh new ideas and they just need the exposure to get their publications out there and it's just a matter of time before they catch on into something huge because uh, I just know, you know, when you read everything, and we try to read everything, we don't read everything, but, uh, you know, we read a very large chunk of what's out there in mainstream and indie comics, and I can, I can tell based on that that, you know, particularly with, uh, you know, books like, uh, Jason Sanderson's, uh, Roadhouse Sons or, uh, uh, George O'Connor's Healed, I mean, you got these ideas that are completely out of the box, completely original, and when you're reading a lot of superhero stuff or crime or horror, uh, and you want something fresh and new and different just to mix it up, I mean, it's so great just to be able to, uh, uh, pick up these, uh, independent books too, and, uh, that's exactly what we're doing, uh, is giving them a chance to shine. So, uh, be on the lookout for that in two weeks. Uh, until then, we'll be reading up and studying like good little nerds, taking notes. Very vigilant geeks that we are. The very vigilant geeks that we are, that's right. So, um, you know, we did a good job of uh, covering uh, the fundamentals of Boston Comic Con 2015. I'd just like to take a quick moment here to plug the studio, if I could. Um, we uh, run this podcast out of Hotcast Studios... Uh, in Beverly, Massachusetts, it is owned and operated by a man named Nathan Burke. Uh, he was also a New England stand-up comedian. Great guy. And if you are looking to uh, start up your own podcast uh, like us, um, you can reach Mr. Burke at his website, which is up and running, and it is hotcaststudio.com, not studios, studio. With uh, capital H and hot, capital C and cast, capital S and studio. So that's hotcaststudio.com. Uh, you can also email Nathan at nburk18 at gmail.com. Uh, so keep that in mind for all you aspiring podcasters out there. Uh, with that, I want to thank you all for listening uh, to another episode of the Vigilant Geek Podcast. Uh, I am Andrew Puzak of Vigilant Geek Media. And I am Holden Orm of Vigilant Geek Media. And as always, stay vigilant! vigilant.